Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, folks. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have questions or concerns about your landscape, your yard, your lawn, or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And, Brian, how's the new acclimation to your home? We're getting there. We're uh, we're working on it and still battling those raccoons. <laughs> they are. I, I, I have. I've kind of slowed them down a little bit. Because, I, so, you know, I take uh, cooking oil and spray it on the pole, and they can't get up it. They slide down it. And then I add a little pepper to kind of make them sneeze, and it makes me sneeze, too. It keeps me <laughs> off the pole. So anyway, so, so we've made some progress. Uh, we have a couple of hummingbirds, and we have uh, some of the other birds. And when I got up yesterday morning, the, the, the other birds in the back, they were waiting for me to put out the feeder. So, uh, so we're getting there. All and right. then more stuff moving in, more stuff getting put away. and uh, It's a process, though, I tell you. Uh, right. Yeah. Because I'm sure you go through stuff and you go, why in the world did I save this? Oh, my God. I got so much stuff. It's so <laughs> much stuff. And I keep looking at it and going, oh, you know, newspapers from 82. I got some newspapers from way back in 64. Oh, you're kidding. And stuff like that that I keep when the Cardinals won the World Series, things like that. You know? Wow. So I've got to go through all that over the, the rest of my life. <laughs> it's going to take a while for sure. <laughs> well, so, it sounds like fun, though. It, it's getting there. Yes, right. thank you. Great. Good to see you. And, folks, it is Saturday morning. We can get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your landscape. And uh, should you be doing anything to your house plants? Oops, you put them out in a sunny location and they got sunburnt. Ooh, ooh. And uh, should you be repotting your house plants or anything that you already have growing in pots? Or should you just leave them alone in the pot they're in? Should you improve your garden soil this time of year? How about, uh, oops, what are those bugs? <gasps> What's that disease on my crab apple? Why is the foliage turning brown? And use the information I'll share with you, and hopefully it will help you solidify your options. Of course, with the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing. So when you call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, James will answer the phone. 
And then when he's not answering the phone, he's working the board. And the board has all kinds of dials and buttons and all kinds of other stuff. And by the way, I'm Mike Miller, and uh, I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. If you'd like for me to do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Generally, I don't have any kind of idea of where I'm going to go for my good gardening stroll. I just kind of wake up, I have breakfast, and then I said, hmm, Maybe I'll go over here. But this today, I this place I thought about yesterday because Tracy and I were heading up to uh, Fountains on Locust to have lunch, and we drove by this. And this place is <sighs> St. Mary's of Scotland School. That's S-M-O-S, which uh, they have actually a really kind of a unique complex. And they're adding new things so their students can have better experiences with plant materials. And uh, they're building a greenhouse and other things as well. But this particular space is called the Garden, no, not the Garden, the Dragon's Grove. And it was established in 2008. And it is part of the School of St. Mary's of Scotland. And it's located at Lawrence and Shaw. It's a community garden with individual plots. So... And it's enclosed by a wrought iron fence. On the south side, there's some hybrid hibiscus there. Foliage right now, no flowers yet. And there's two large fruit trees within the fence. And they join this huge, really kind of unique sculpture of the world's globe. And uh, there's rain collection barrels next to the shed. There's a one plot that's filled with strawberries. And on the shed, it's really kind of unique. It's got gutters, and, you know, it really is a nice-looking shed. There's a painted wall that has a dragon painted on it. There's an arbor with lots of seating there as well. A bunny rabbit hops by and says hi, and while he's doing that, robins are hopping by looking for worms. There's some liriope mixed in with daylilies. There's thistle and wild carrots and that's mingling with uh, zoysia grass, so it's really kind of a u- unique combination. It's not overly done or anything. And the school is part of the Urban Education Alliance. And the actual Dragon's Grove, which is the, you know, the garden space, is supported by Wells Fargo Advisors, Bayer's Fund, Gateway Greening, and the Meissen Charitable Foundation. The rainfall was increasing, and I said, oops, my, the papers that I'm writing are re- really getting kind of wet. So I thought I better head uh, into the car and head towards KMOX. It was really nice outside this morning, though. The temperature was cooler, and even though it was raining, the plants are going hallelujah. We're glad to have at least some moisture, even if it's not you know, let's say measurable, it still will help the plant material because a lot of the plants are really suffering from the lack of rainfall. So anyway, yesterday there was a downpour in our neighborhood that for about 10 minutes it rained super hard and then it kind of stopped and then it kind of just trickled a little bit after that. But anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 
We'll be back after these messages. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Got phone lines open, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, morning, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Hey, I got uh, two tw- questions for you. One is uh, I've, I've got a tree that I took some clippings off of. I want to call it a, a blue cedar because I haven't been able to figure out what it is. Uh, the tree's probably eh, maybe 30 years old maybe 40 years old. And uh, so I was able to uh, make uh, four trees out of it uh, 20 years ago. And uh, I said, well, I want to do it again because you know, I'm going to leave that, that place. You know, that tree is going to stay where it is. And I'd like to put them in my yard when I'm uh, moving to. And so uh, what I do is, you know, I basically I cut them off, you know, maybe about six inches long, you know, soaked them in water and then just put them in the dirt and they, they came up just fine. Whoa. But this this time uh, I did 10 of them and out of the 10, only three of them have survived. And these are maybe about uh, four inches tall. And uh, so I was just wondering, uh, you know, is there a better way of doing it? Yes. Basically, this, the length of the cut should be like 12 inches or less. And you should make the actual cut at a 45-degree angle. And before you do the cutting, you should head to your favorite garden center and get some rooting, rooting, R-O-O-T-I-N-G, rooting hormone Mm -hmm. for woody plant material. Then you dip the cut right into that right after you make it and then put it into a potting mix in a pot, probably like a 6-inch pot or so, black plastic nursery pot, and uh, with a potting mix for starting plant material. That would be the ideal way to do it. You had that luck early on that you talked about. That's surprising because, I mean, sticking uh, any kind of evergreen in just water and having it to actually survive and then actually root and then grow is really kind of surprising. Well, it surprised me, too. <laughs> but it worked. And this time, like I said, out of ten, three of them are still doing uh, quite well. Okay. And I was, so, you know, I saw I got them in a shady area because I don't want the sun to hit them, you know, because, you know, they're they're covered. It's under a, a covered awning, if you will, you know. And you know, because I said, well, I don't want the sun to hit them. It looks like they're they're going to burn them up. I said, but I kept them moist. You know, I mean, not too wet. Right. And uh, so three out of ten have survived. So thanks that's for answering that good. question. I, yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. But yeah, I'm going to try your your other way. And is it better to do it in the fall or better to do it? You know, does it matter when you do it? it? Well, you don't want to do it in the dead of winter because, you know, the potting you know, mix that you're going to put it into, you know, has a chance of freezing and that's going to be detrimental to the actual establishment of the root system. So anytime right, right. from this point forward up until I wouldn't probably try to do it uh, anytime after, let's say Thanksgiving would be the latest, probably Halloween would be a better time to, you know, so from now until Halloween, get this done. Okay, and then the other question pertaining to that would be, uh, uh, you know, how long do I wait? I think the last time I waited a couple, two or three years before I actually planted it into the ground, you know, because they were, you could see the growth, you know, I mean, those things were growing. I said, well, oh, now they're over a foot tall, you know, maybe almost 18 inches. I wow. Said, that sounded to me like a pretty good time. It was really fast growing. And, uh, I mean, these things have gotten to be, uh you know, 25, 30 feet tall, they kind of look like an abravite, but I call it a blue, 
a, a blue cedar because I've never seen anything like them before, you know. And they're, they're really a wonderful shape and, uh, you know, and grow uh, quick growing. But you think that maybe I should wait a few years like I did last time. Right. So basically what you're doing is you're mimicking what production nurseries are doing. Mm. So in other words, places where you buy plant material or where, let's say, retail nurseries buy from wholesale nurseries. So they they wait for a couple of years after they make the cutting before they actually make them available for sale. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. And then my next question would be uh, about the DE you know, of diacomaceous earth, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I've got some swimming pool DE. Is that safe to use around my uh, the, the ground, up around my tomato plants to keep the cutworms from, from taking over? Because I think they're coming up. I think they're getting ready. Now, why do you have this for your swimming pool? Well, I had a swimming pool, and I kept the DE. I used it to, uh, uh, you know, throw it down to, to kill ants, you know. Oh. And, you know, and so then I read somewhere that uh, DE is good to... Uh, Stop the hornworm or cutworm, you know, the ones that go after your tomatoes right. and your other things. So I didn't know if it was safe to use on, uh, you know, in the uh, in the soil around my tomato plants. Yeah, the so only thing I'd be concerned with if it's been contaminated by pool, you know, swimming pool water because of no, the chemicals no, no. that's in the water. No, it's fr- it's fresh in the bag. Okay, still from, then you should you know, be fine. Quite a while back. Okay, yeah, but it does also kill ants and other uh, things that you might, you know. I think it's pretty pretty well safe. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just uh, crushed. Uh, isn't it just crushed uh, seashells or something like that? Yeah, pretty much. So, it's uh, organic for sure. Okay. okay, gotcha. Okay, well, I appreciate you taking the time and taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, Thanks, have Bob. a good one. Then. And now let's go over to Mark Shard. Hi, Mark. How are you doing this morning, Mike? Very good. Uh, I have uh, four trees. Two of them are big firs. Two of them are big pines, probably about. 16, 18 inches diameter. I need to cut some limbs off the bottom. When's the best time to do that? Base, don't do it in the summertime. So anytime right. when we're starting, you know, the, probably a better time to be doing it would be during the winter time, and there's going to be less oh, sap okay. flow during that time. And so let's say sometime from Thanksgiving until the Ides of March. Very good. And uh, does it make a difference on diameter? On that size tree, if I cut some uh, two-inch diameter branches off. No, but probably what I do is just be careful when you're doing that because a two-inch branch is going to be pretty long. So I would cut it off in like one-third sections with the final cut leaving a stub at the trunk or whatever it's, you know, it's intersecting with the next larger branch. And leave about a quarter-inch stub. Okay, very good. Thank you. Sure. And we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a time of year where lots of stuff is going on in your landscape. And if you have produced any, or produced, if you've planted any trees or shrubs this spring, just make sure today you wouldn't have to worry too much about it. But prior to this, it's been pretty darn dry. So you keep these things moist, not swampy, wet but just moist. And another thing to keep in mind, too, if you have annuals, you know, flowers and things like that, fertilizing every two weeks is going to be the best thing to keep them looking good, robust, flowering-wise, and everything else. So that's something that you could do. Also, even though we're, let's say, in July, what you can do is you can plant some seeds, like for zinnias, 
Cosmos, Alyssum, Pansies, Marigolds, Cleomies, and you can get them up, you know, planted by seed or via seed, and then just take care of them. Use a seeds or a potting mix for starting, you know, seeds. And uh, then you can have some new plants as we come in out of summer and go into fall, and you'll have a brand new series of uh, bloomers. So that's also good. So watch out for the uh, Japanese beetles because they're going to start showing up if they haven't showed up yet, in, uh, and you have a history of having the Japanese beetle problem. And iris, this is a time of year. If your iris are finished blooming, so the flag's early on, so Japanese you know, iris or Siberian iris, once they finish blooming, you can divide those iris if you choose to. And again, back to the watering. Once, you know, for established plant materials, trees and shrubs, anything herbaceous too, once a week so they can get about an inch of water. And Tracy was asking me, is there some way that you can hook some kind of mechanism on your hose that lets you know how much water's come out of your faucet to get to your uh, landscape uh, as far as the plant material? And I said, ah, not that I know of. Now, maybe there is, and I just don't know it. But uh, you want to get about an inch of water on your plant material each week. Uh, let's pass Saturday. No, let's see. Was it Saturday? No, I guess it was actually Wednesday. I water for it my lawn for probably throughout the entire lawn, about, you know, three hours total. I just migrate the sprinkler every couple of, you know, every hour or so, so I can make sure that I get it, you know, as deep into the ground. I don't use a rain gauge or anything, but what I do is I just go out with a shovel after I've run the, you know, I think that should be adequate moisture. And I actually kind of just dig a slight hole and take a look down and see how far the water is penetrated down below the actual lawn. And uh, when I'm doing the lawn, also it's watering, you know, my the plant material that I have in the ground and the plant material I have in pots as well. With your cool season lawn, don't do any kind of fertilizing in July whatsoever. Even though they say you could be, you know, doing some fertilizing, I say stay away from it on the fescues and bluegrasses, but, you know, on the warm season lawns, this is a great time of year to uh, do some fertilizing. So, And keep your mowing frequent, I mean, re- routinely. And if you have to, cut it, uh, you know, once a week, even though it's a bit of a hassle, especially when it's extremely hot. And um, you want to have make sure that the clippings from your mowing is only about an inch long, so don't let don't let your lawn get too long, so the clippings are really longer because it can cause some you know fungus problems as a result of that. Especially when we you let your lawn get long, and then we get high humidity moisture days like this, then it can be problematic from a fungus standpoint. And uh, bagging your clippings, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a mulch mower. But uh, if my look and see my clippings are getting kind of you know longer than that one inch I'm talking about, then what I do is I you know I bag them rather than just using the mulch mower, and uh, that's really kind of very very important. Let's see other things that you need to be thinking about, just kind of in general is that certainly the weed problem, and uh, weeds are just prolific as far as this is a perfect year for them. 
So the perennial weeds, of course, but the warm season annual weeds, the spurges, the ragweed, the purslane, the knotweed, lamb's quarter, carpet weed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail. Foxtail seems to be the, the grass, at least in my neighborhood, that's most prolific. Now, there is some crabgrass, but uh, foxtail is the one that has kind of a fuzzy fl- a flower at the end of a, let's say, a stem. And uh, that's why they call it a foxtail. It kind of looks like a foxtail. And then the violets, too, as well as a plantain. So those are the ones that are out there and just going nuts. And uh, controlling those, you can certainly, on the broadleaf ones, uh, use a broadleaf weed killer. And uh, just make sure that anytime you apply any sort of herbicide that you're going to read the label first in relationship to the air temperatures because you can really do some damage if you apply an herbicide when the temperature is higher than is recommended to do the application because it can just burn your lawn up as well as it will kill the broadleaf weeds but also do some damage to your lawn. So if you have questions or concerns, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, it's Tom Ackerman. Join me Monday mornings at 9.50 for our new feature, Five Minutes with Number Five. And you know who that is, Albert Pujols. Five Minutes with Number Five, Mondays at 9.50 a.m. on The Voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Heading over into Illinois into Perry's yard. Hi Perry. Hi. Hi. Hey, I've got a twenty five foot uh, fir tree that has just gone crazy, and the lower branches are about twelve feet long. I'm I'm interested in trimming the branches off because they're encroaching on a flower bed. When is the best time to trim a fir tree branch? Yeah, basically you're going to you know winter is going to be a better time because. The, the time of year, and you know, when it's summer, fungus problems on you know on open wounds 
can be problematic. And also, you once you, if long branches, uh, I told a uh, caller earlier, cut them off in sections with the final cut being about a quarter-inch stub. Don't put any sealer. Don't put anything because none of that stuff really helps at all. Just let them air heal and do it during basically from, let's say, winter, November or so up until mid-March. Okay. Also, uh, we've got some pin oaks that are just a terror when the branches are hanging down. When is the best time to trim pin oaks and maple branches? Maple is summertime, but with the oaks, it's wintertime. Okay. All right. Oaks in the winter, uh, fir in the winter, maple in the summer. Right. And that's because for some reason... Maples have a bit, you know, more sap flow during the wintertime. That's why they tap, you know, sugar maples to make maple syrup and things like that in the wintertime versus, uh, you know, that's why you don't want to do the pruning on the maples at that time. And that's even though they're not sugar maples necessarily, just the maples in general just kind of lump them together. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go from Perry's yard over to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have an easement that runs through the very front of my yard, and unfortunately, uh, Missouri American Water needed to dig and create a a patch or correct a patch that was leaking in my yard. So then they backfilled it with limestone and clay. So Mm. now every time I have a dry spell there's one portion of my yard that looks very brown compared to the rest of my yard which has (laughs) lots of organic material do you have any suggestions on how i can build up the organic material without creating a mound or digging up the clay or limestone no there's really nothing i mean uh that's about all you can do if you especially if you want any kind of let's say somewhat instant results and the, you know, putting limestone down is just totally crazy because that is really alkaline, and then that's the worst thing possible that you could add to your lawn to your lawn areas. So that's you know just a disaster in general. Even if you're not necessarily growing lawn in this spot, the alkalinity of limestone is really extreme, and the majority of plant material, other than let's say a lilac or a clematis or a few things. They don't like that alkalinity, and uh, your lawn wants to have uh, your the pH of the soil below neutral, so they want to have it slightly acidic. So the days of old when they used to say put lime down, that was totally and completely wrong, and what you have is just a disaster. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think that was the cheap way for Missouri American <laughs> Water to the, the problem of digging right. in my yard. <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate they don't give you the option to say, well, if you would, you know, kick in a little bit of money, then we could, uh, you know, bring in some good, be- you know, some good soil for you and stuff like that. But no, you never have that option. The last question I have for you is: I have a hydrangea that um, just doesn't flower anymore. Um, it, it's a beautiful looking plant, but it doesn't um, flower. What's any suggestions on how to get it to flower, or is it just time to dig it up? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Start? unfortunately, some things, you know, like certain varieties of hydrangea, get to be an age where they just stop producing flowers. And sometimes it's related to, you know, nearby growth of larger trees or things like that. But sometimes it's just genetic with the age factor. So that's what, uh, you know, you're looking at probably is just, 
you had years of good, you know, good growth and good flowering and everything else. Now you still get the good, good foliage, but you just don't get the flowering. And you know, just a green shrub is not something you actually want if you're growing a hydrangea. Thank you very much. Have sure. a great day. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and I, you know, certain varieties of hydrangea are going to are going to be better. Realize that there's a whole brand new within the last few years. Certain varieties will, you know, continuous blooming through most of the summertime. Other ones will historically bloom like they always have, like the oak leaf hydrangea. If it's sunny or sunny and or shady location, they can do pretty darn well, as well as the PG hydrangeas. So there's so many different varieties if you're going to replace it with another variety of hydrangea. Do a little bit of research uh, either online or go to your favorite garden center and ask them, you know, what they would recommend. So thanks, Jeff. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is a good time of year because we're approaching fall, especially for getting a soil test for your lawn area. And the soil conditions have a huge impact on plant health, whether the plant health is you know, lawn or whether it's perennials or whether it's vegetables or whether it's strawberries or whatever it happens to be doing. And what it does is a soil test will help you watch out about doing some fertilizing because certain varieties of fertilizer cause real problems. So in a bag of fertilizer, the last two numbers of phosphorus and potassium, if you use the same number of, you know, on a bag of fertilizer for years, you could have extreme levels of phosphorus or potassium, and that is detrimental to trying to grow a lot of different kinds of plants. So for 25 bucks, why not get a soil test done and find out what there is missing as well as what there is too much of? So just kind of keep that in mind. And a University of Missouri Extension Service, you can drop it off in a Kirkwood. I mean, very easy on East Monroe, and uh, just go online, and you can, it's uh, 132 East Monroe, Kirkwood, and uh, they're open Monday through Friday, so realize that there's not any weekend hours, 830 to 430. So that's the University of Missouri Extension and St. Louis County, and it's really down down near the train station in Kirkwood. Let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yes. Yeah, I have uh, two peach trees that I'm wanting to transplant, and I was wondering what a good time to do that is. Uh, how big are they? They're about six foot tall. So they're not about, too. And you're moving them because uh, the area is too close to the fence, and I'm wanting to put them where I can put a net over them. Okay. To keep the understandable Uh, winter time or fall is a better time to do it so sometime after let's say mid to late august all the way up and through uh halloween would be a good time so make sure when you're going to do it water them really well the night before you're going to dig them up and probably one that's six feet high you want the root ball to be about uh, 15 inches in diameter and about 12 inches deep and it's going to be kind of heavy, so it's going to be a little difficult to get it up out of the ground. But, you know, if they're healthy and robust, get the spot that you're going to move them to ready. So when you pop them up out of the ground, you can directly move them into the new location. And uh, they're, 
that would be the easiest way. And then fall's by far the best time to install new plant material, also as a transplant material, because the ground is warm. Warm ground triggers root system growth, and then also they get to go to sleep for the winter time. All right, sounds good. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and that's you know that that applies to pretty much everyone. If you want to transplant something, just get it. You know, do it. And this is really even for herbaceous type plants, not just necessarily woody plants. So not just necessarily trees and shrubs. Other things that you need to be thinking about too is if you have relatively young fruit trees. I was at a house in, in Kirk, a very unique house in Kirkwood the other day right where Huntley and Kirkwood run into each other. And uh, it's fantastic landscape. I mean, just unbelievable. But they had a couple small fruit trees. And I told them, I said, they had three fruits on each, you know, on one of the trees. And I said, young trees, it really stresses them out to go ahead. And it's nice to see the flower. It's okay to see the fruit start to form. But don't let that keep going and going because it, it really stresses a, any kind of tree out, especially a younger tree, to let it go ahead and fruit production. And so for the, I asked them, and they didn't know which which it was as far as how long it's going to take to get, you know, let's say full production out of the trees. For a standard-sized tree, it's usually about six to eight years to get full production from the amount of fruit. Uh, semi-dwarf is about two years less, and then dwarf trees is going to be the shortest time, and that's going to be about four to five years before you're going to get allow that tree to get fully, you know, robust as far as producing fruit. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. trying to take over the show. Anyway, let's head over to Mary's yard. Mary, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Um, I am calling because I've planted some three-year-old fig trees in my yard about two years ago. They were a variety that was advertised for our to be able to winter over in our climate. Yes. And they explained to me that uh, they expected fruit on these within... Uh, the third or fourth year of the plant, I'm still not seeing fruit except in one that I kept potted and wintered over in my house. <laughs> so, so can you explain to me what I'm doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. You can blame Mother Nature. When they sort of get that projection, you know, as far as, produ- you know, fruit production, whether it's something, you know, a little abstract like a fig tree, which, I mean, there's a actually a, a house in my neighborhood that has a couple of figs in their backyard, fig trees. But uh, anyway, it's just Mother Nature, the way our weather has been, that really impacts especially newly installed plant material and especially something that's a little bit, let's say, on the cusp as far as hardiness and everything else goes. So you're just going to have to be more patient. Um, one other question. I've noticed that the potted fig that has fruit, this, the shoot that is bearing fruit has a different shaped leaf. Would you expect that? It could, you know, it's just a newer growth and that's what you're, what's, you know, what's happening. So it shouldn't necessarily be 
that dramatic, but I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Okay. Well, thanks for the help. I'll just try to be patient. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it could be, you know, it could be a while before you're going to get much, you know, fig production whatsoever. So good luck, Mary. Oh, thanks very much. Yep. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Uh, good morning for watering. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I live in a relatively uh, new uh, condo development, and the things that the builder put in are maybe a little over five years old. And uh, one of the things that I have um, is a magic carpet spirea, and uh, the homeowners association started to trim everything up in the early spring, and I stopped them because it was just starting to bloom. Right. And uh, I've read that it's okay to, to shape it, you know, after it blooms, but it really, if you're going to do a hard pruning, excuse me, hard pruning, you need to do that uh, late winter, early spring. Is that correct? Well, it's, you know, it depends upon, you don't want to prune, to, you know, it, it, it depends upon the variety of the plant. So with you, yes, that should be okay. But for the most part, you've got to be very careful because if you prune, let's say at a certain time, I, I like to prune within, let's say, two months or so after something has finished flowering. That way it gives it plenty of opportunity to produce new foliage, to produce new buds for potential flowers slash, you know, Flowers, if you want to have those flowers produce any kind of fruit or anything else. So that's, you know, sort of the, the date line that I use is 60 to, let's say, 80 days after finished flowering. Get any kind of pruning that you want done, done by then. Okay. The only reason I want to do this is because they're getting rather large and they're kind of taking over the area. Now, the other thing that, that's in there are some... Uh, um, hollies and uh, the same thing that they were going to trim early and I, I have never seen any uh, you know, uh, red uh, berries on it and the and I just assumed well they were pruning them all off too early so I stopped the pruning and uh, I have uh, berries on it they're obviously green now so when when would that be uh, better to be pruned I would say if unless you really have to I'm assuming these are shrub-type holly as opposed to, let's say, the American holly or the foster holly, which are the tree types. And I would say minimize pruning on the holly because, again, a broadleaf evergreen like that, it's this is not exactly the ideal place for them to be growing. And then consequently, you prune it, and it could you know just cause more trouble than it could do good. But if you absolutely have to do it, uh, they're going to flower, small white flowers, and then relatively yeah. early spring. And, early spring, yeah. Yeah, most varieties of the holly need a male and a female together. So if you're getting, you know, fruits, then you've got one of them, you know, in close proximity should have no fruit on it at all because that's going to be the male holly. Okay. Now, the other question is that for years uh, in my planting areas, I used to put morganite uh, down and I couldn't find melorganite. I found something called E C O R G A N I T E. It says it's a nitrogen fertilizer, but it's only a four three zero. And it suggests uh, uh, using that uh, oh every uh, uh, I don't know eight to ten weeks. Uh, is there a problem doing that in the summer? I uh, know. Because, I mean, the nitrogen, which is the first number out yeah. of the three, there's only, you know, it's relatively low. And then 
the nitrogen will stay in the soil, be absorbed by the plant material for only a few days, and then it becomes yeah. a gas and goes up into the air. And the yeah, zero, I, I mean, the three is going to help some, but uh, I'm surprised you couldn't find malorganite because it's pretty much all over the place. Well, I was surprised as well. I don't know. Maybe, maybe people are mad at Milwaukee for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, all right. Thank you, sir. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. And uh, again, if you're really serious about growing these things, as far as using any kind of fertilizer, whether it's organic or whether it's you know anything else, why not just get a soil test done, find out what there is existing into the soil, and that can help you sort of focus on what... Uh, you know, the number that you need actually on your fertilizer. So uh, when I was at the house, uh, as I was talking about a little bit earlier, that has this fantastic backyard with uh, water features and everything else, they have a collection of hostas that was unreal. And I asked them, I said, do you have a deer problem? And they said, well, we don't really have a deer problem that bad, but uh, the other day a deer was laying around in the front yard, and I said, uh-oh, because there's certain plant material, and hosta happens to be one of them, and maybe because they have water features that the deer, if they do come into their yard, they don't eat the hosta because there's plenty of ways for them to get water by just drinking out of the water feature. But uh, plant materials that uh, deer don't like are like milkweed, columbine, coreopsis, primrose, globe thistle, lots of different varieties of, you know, plants that uh, they just stay away from for whatever reason, unless it's a severe winter. And then, uh, but that severe winter doesn't matter with that because that's perennial plant material. And it's not going to be, well, some of them are going to be up, you know, in the wintertime, like helleborus. But uh, woody plant material, uh, that they really don't care for, ginkgo trees, oak leaf hydrangea, gold thread branch cypress, American holly, paper bark birch, Rosa Sharon, blue spruce, witch hazel, vitex. So those are the you know, woody plant materials that deer will stay away from for the most part unless we have a really severe winter. And uh, if, you know, other things that you need to be thinking about in your yard— your foliage, I'm assuming all the foliage has been cut back on any of your spring flowering bulbs that you've had, so your daffodils and tulips and things like that. Once the foliage starts turning brownish, then you can go ahead and cut them and cut them down to grade. So Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will be back after the news. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Sorry, Mr. Kelly, that I interrupted your your, uh, newscast there. I was looking out the window and I thought, gee, many Christmas, it's really pouring. I didn't know I was going to do that. I didn't either. All of a sudden, it's really coming down. Yeah. So I don't know if it is how, you know, downtown, obviously it is. And where you live, it may be, it may be not because. The plant material here is going hallelujah. Yeah, it really needs it, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. So what's happening? Where? Anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for the radar to see where it is right now. Get get a little better view of what's going on. But yeah, it's uh, it's nice to get the rain. Yeah, there's a pretty good batch, and it's moving from the north to the south. Brian Thompson was telling us earlier this morning there were just some light showers around here, and to the north there was more rain. And he said it's moving north to south, and this is moving, yeah, right down uh, the Mississippi River. O'Fallon, Illinois, is a little red. Collinsville getting some red now, heading towards O'Fallon. So you're going to get some real heavy rain coming up. Wow. But, yes, a pretty nice soaking through most of the area. So uh, very welcome news. Like you said, the plants, you, if you listen real close, you can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a crazy so How are your world. plants? What's going on at your house? Not, I mean, everything looks good. Well, it better. You know, you're Mike I, Miller. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I sort of experiment with certain things, and I go mm-hmm. exactly contrary to what uh, is the best way to go about doing it, to, just to see what happens. So, if I go to somebody's house, then I can say, well, this is probably what's you know the scenario yeah. is for you. So, what are your what's your latest experiment? Uh, a plant that call is called white snow, and it's yeah. really been. I can't think of what the uh, botanical name is right now, but it's really been a disappointment. I bought a oh, flat yeah. of them, and they're the same size as they were like three months ago, <laughs> basically. And uh, they, it's been like I would never you know, recommend you getting that. that again. Yeah. I thought it was I mean, it's variegated with white and green on the leaf, and I thought, well, maybe this is going to be you know kind of create a carpet. And I'd stick it under other things like castor beans or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it does, in theory, want to have full sun. I've got some in part shade. I've got some in full sun. But they're all just, like, stuck really? in time. Yeah. So white snow, yeah. out of here. Right. Yeah. You had your chance. Now yeah. you're going to the recycled pile. Exactly. All right. Well, good Good to know. All I right. won't buy any of that. <laughs> Yes, folks, welcome to the tip of the trial hour, and uh, I'll be giving the tip of the trial really in a few seconds. But you can give us a call because we got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And uh, please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take to success. James is the producing, so he answers the phone. And uh, during the week and on weekends, too, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like to schedule one for your landscape, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage, that's where my email address and phone number are listed. You can contact me. 
Typically, trials are special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial today goes out to the Henry Shaw Cactus and Succulent Society. They have been, they were founded in 1942, so 80 years they've been around. That's kind of hard to believe. And the Cactus Society, Cactus and Succulent Society, sale is returning to St. Louis. So it had been here for years and years and years. And this, they're inviting all plant fans to help them celebrate its 80th birthday and shop extensive selection of plants and pots. And this be, the sale and show will be held 9 to 5 on July. This is next weekend. July 16th and 17th, and historically it's always been on the Botanical Garden grounds, but because of the construction that's going on right now, they've had to move it to Glazer's Hall, and Glazer's Hall's on Wilson Avenue in St. Louis. And it's just one of those, you know, kind of really crazy things. There's going to be cactus and succulents from Oklahoma City, from Drummond Nursery in DeSoto. There'll be an abundance of plants for sale Novice gardeners can start with small, easy-to-grow plants, and serious enthusiasts can find some really unusual things. And uh, there, there's just kind of some really interesting things going on there. And kids that are 3 to 15 years old get a free starter plant at the Kids' Corner. So the show and sale, it's free. I mean, so next weekend... Let's say it might not be like this. It may be blazing hot or something, but you can go and see some of the really unusual types of cactus and succulents that the members of the uh, Henry Shaw Cactus and Succulent Society, it is, you know, they they have. It's just a really unique show, and it's affiliated, like I said before, with the Botanical Garden, and uh, its mission is to promote and increase knowledge of culture propagation and conservation of cacti and other succulent plants. And as I said before, 80 years. It's kind of hard to believe that society's been around that long. So if you want more information, you can go to cactus, C-A-C-T-U-S, 1803 at yahoo.com. And that will give you some more information. And again, they're not on the Botanical Garden grounds as they historically have been. They've had to move it to Glazer's Hall on Wilson Avenue. So huge cactus and succulent sale returns to St. Louis. So if you do have any interest at all, and even if you don't, I mean, like I said, if it's really extremely hot and you want to go do something that's really kind of unique and unusual, you'd be surprised at all the different types of cactus and succulents there are. So let's do do a call or two before we go to break. Let's go to Patrick's yard. Patrick, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have I have planted a couple of hop rhizomes in pots in my backyard because I brew beer, and they are growing like wild animals. <laughs> but I just wondered—I'm not a gardener. Uh, what's the best way to treat these things? I've got them—I've got them growing up strings. Now, uh, what, now, what was what was this plant? Hop for, for a, a hop rhizome, like a cascade. To beer with. Hmm. You know, I'm not exactly familiar with I don't recognize that name. Well, it's, you know, when you drink beer, there's a there's a hop 
in oh, the beer. Oh, hops. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So I would just, you know, keep your fingers crossed and just grow it, you know, as it is in those pots and just, you know, enjoy it. And I'm not exactly sure. I don't think it's going to be hardy in the wintertime. So you're probably going to have to bring them inside and put them in a sunny window for the wintertime. Gotcha. Should I, at, at any point, dig into those pots and break those roots up and get more rhizomes out of it? No, just leave them alone, at least for a year or two. Let them get well-established. You're okay. already getting a lot of above-ground growth, but uh, don't mess around with them when they're so young. Yeah. All right. Sounds great. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like you, uh, you say you don't know, you, you don't do gardening, you don't do plants, but you sounds like you've had great success with this. You know, it's 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 like feed me Seymour. These things are climbing out of the pot. They're crawling all over the place. I've got <laughs> strings all over the back of the house so that they can climb on them, and it's just crazy. Oh, great. <laughs> And I, and I only planted them in the middle of June, and they're they're all a foot and a half in the air. Well, <laughs> perfect timing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Thanks, Patrick. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We have some phone lines open, so give us a call if you have any questions, concerns, or comments. Let's head over to Ter- Terry's yard. Hi, Terry. Hi. How are you this morning? Very good. How are you? I can't complain, but I have some black-eyed Susans. They've been established for several years, probably six or seven, uh-huh. and this year the petals of the flower are really short. They're tiny. They, they're not fully developed. Wow. And I'm w- wondering if you know what that might be. No, I really don't. You know, I mean, they're sh- genetically, they, they should be the same, same plant as they have been the previous years because they're perennials and they're coming back from the same root system and everything else. So there had to be something, you know, on wherever you live that causes, you know, the flower bud to not form correctly. And that's the only thing. I wouldn't worry that this is going to be uh, a, a circumstance that's going to happen year in, year out. Okay. I thought maybe there was a bug or something. But Generally, these are... yeah, insects are not going to really cause, you know, petal length on the flowers to be a certain size or those kind of things. And hmm. black-eyed Susans really are pretty tough and pretty durable. Yeah, and, they uh, are. I mean, they've been there, and they can take the heat, and they, they're right. in the sun a lot, so. All righty, just wondering. Yeah, so just... Oh, another uh, question, a quick question. Can I trans? Can I separate hostas in the fall, or should I wait till the spring? No, fall's a good time to do it. Okay. All righty, I appreciate it. Yep, thank you, and thanks, Terry. Yeah, I don't have... I have a few black-eyed Susans, but I have... Between my uh, garage and the alley, there's a planting strip there, and I have purple cone flowers there, and I probably have... A uh, guess would be a couple hundred, and it's really kind of interesting to watch because the goldfinches really like them because they're getting some seed off of them because some of the flowers are already finished, so they eat those uh, pr- uh, purple coneflower seeds, which is, I mean, that's the kind of bird seed that you can buy. 
and uh, kind of you know consequently they don't come to the gra- to the bird seed that I throw out on the sidewalk. They strictly stay back there. And you, like you said, with your black-eyed Susans, these purple coneflowers really love the heat. They like the reflective heat off the garage and everything else, and it really does very well. So thanks, Terry. And if anybody else has questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you're going to put any kind of chemical on your lawn, just make sure that you, you know, whether it's an herbicide, whether it's a fungicide, whether it's a, you know, fertilizer, anything like that at all, Cut your lawn first. It's just it's better off to get the you know the chemical that you're using down you know where it needs to go. So just keep that in mind. And also with all your uh, any kind of let's say mower blades and things like that, keep your mower blades you know sharp. If you don't know how to do it, there's plenty of places that you can take it and uh, you know have them sharpened because. As time goes on, even though they're just cutting, let's say, lawn, they can, you know, you, you could hit something or you know, a piece of sidewalk or something, and you could damage the blade a little bit, and that can mean that when it's actually cutting your, uh, your lawn, it can make the top of the lawn frayed a little bit, and that can make it more so, uh, more, let's say, re- less resistant to any kind of fungus problem or things like that, so... Other things that you need to be thinking about, too, is uh, it's not too late to uh, do a little bit of fertilizing on your azaleas and rhododendrons. So there's no, you know, but make sure that you use a fertilizer that's for acid-loving plants. And uh, fertilize any of your spring-blooming woody plant material. That's a good time. You can still fertilize those. There's not a problem. And if you have pine trees, make sure that you watch your pines for pine, you know, uh, sawflies, caterpillars eating the needles. And it's, I mean, it's really kind of creepy. I had a, I have a mugo pine and I haven't had them for a while, but I had the uh, sawflies on my uh, mugo pine. And I mean, the, they would just really, I mean, it was amazing how fast they could actually consume some of the needles off the candles. And, um, with your summer bulbs, your cannas, your caladiums, your dahlias and elephant ears and things like that, uh, fertilize them just like with the annuals. Every couple of weeks, and you're going to have really pretty good growth as a result of that. So let's head over to Mary's yard now. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. How Hi. are you? Very good. I have a question. In our front yard, and it's just been this year, we have some kind of sporadic weed, and it looks like it just has one little white petal on it. But they're all over the front yard. We've never had them before. They're not in the neighbor's yards. I have no idea where they came from. And have you ever seen that? No. Just one, like, white petal. One, just one petal. Yes, and it, but it's very sporadic all over the yard. Hmm. It just popped up this year. To be honest with you, I can't, take a, I can't make a guess on what that might be. So, especially if you've not historically had them. Do you have a mowing service? Uh, yes, every two weeks. Okay. What could have happened is wherever they cut the grass prior to you, they could have cut the grass and that weed was there, and then some of this weed seeds got stuck to their mowing equipment. And a lot of times the mowing companies don't clean their mowers 
when they leave once one place to go to the next, and they could have brought in the seed for the from this weed. If you want to, you can. And if you can get a picture of it, you can send me the picture, and I'll take a look at it and let you know what it is. But just uh, a single, you know, white blade is, you know, that's kind of tough to guess. Well, like it, they do the next the yard right next to us. You know, at the same time, right? And it's not there; it's just in our yard, right? So, consequently, it could have been. You were the first one, as opposed to them being the one that got their lawn cut. Okay. You were. And so, consequently, all the seed that was on the equipment stuck to it, you know, got knocked off on your yard, and that's why there isn't any on in their yard. Okay. All right, Mike, thank you. Yeah, and uh, this is, is this like a have a blade? You know, I know you said something about the pedal, but a blade that's a wide blade, or is it like a narrow blade like a grass? It's like a narrow blade. Um, mm, with a single white flower. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. So if, <laughs> you, if you can, just take a picture of it and, and send it to me, and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. When you head out to your favorite garden center or nursery or whatever, I mean, it's kind of nice just to you know wander around and see what kind of plant material they have. But also, if you have any kind of questions about the plants you have, you're not exactly sure, like this lady, what you could do is she could take a couple of those into her favorite garden center and have them take a look at it and find out what this weed is. And then consequently, if this is prolific, which it sounds like for never have been there before and now it's you know, sort of spotted all over or in multiple locations, you want to get that kind of weed under control because if you don't, it can just get worse and worse and worse and worse. So... That's uh, you know a tough tough type thing to really consider, and when you have your house plants outside or when you have your house plants inside, remember when you're fertilizing, do half the label rate. Whatever the label recommends, do half the la- half the rate because it's much better for your plant material, uh, just in general for the tropical type stuff. So. If it says put X amount of a table, you know, one tablespoon in a gallon of water, just put a teaspoon versus a tablespoon. And uh, so just, I mean, realize that, yes, that's nice that they've developed all this stuff and everything else, but consequently, sometimes they're telling you to do something that's not necessarily going to be to the benefit of the plant. And it doesn't necessarily hurt the plant if you do the full label rate. It's just the plants generally don't need that amount of fertilizer. So today after the show, I'm assuming the rain's going to be stopped and everything else, uh, my potted plants, you know, I have my house plants and everything as well as my tropical stuff outside. And I'm going to be doing some with uh, miracle Grow powdered um do some uh, fertilizing with that where I mix it in a gallon bucket of water and then just pour it on the individual plants. So, But, again, half the label rate. So if you have questions, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. It's the Cards and Phillies this afternoon. Amron pregame show 1220. First pitch 115 on KMOX and streaming on KMOX.com.
If you do have perennial chrysanthemums and you've been pinching them back to make them nice and bushy so they'll be just a little bit more attractive, consequently, don't do any more you know, pinching back after or basically in the month of July. So no more after this. Just let everything grow. Let the flower buds set and everything else. So, uh, I mean, you can really get some uh, very attractive plants if you had start pinching them back. You know, as they got four inches, you pinch back two, and you would have done that in, you know, late March, early April, depending upon weather, of course, as far as the growth goes and everything like that. And then every month after that, pinch back a couple inches. You get more stems, then consequently, each one of those stems is going to have a flower on the end of it. That's why some of these production nurseries, you know, when you go in the garden centers in the fall, you see these mums and they're just like the size of a bushel basket. And that's because they've been pinched back consequently. So that's really kind of a, what you need to do and stop pinching them back in July. Let's head over to Kevin's yard. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hi, hi there. Uh, appreciate uh, taking the call. I love the show. Just, I uh, was curious about, um, we just bought a house and uh, interested in planting a couple apple trees. And I was just kind of curious to get a little bit more information in terms of, you know, best, maybe there are some best species for this, this climate, this area, and uh, maybe best time of year to, to do so. Probably planting-wise, I'd do it in the fall. And I wouldn't necessarily, if you go to the favorite garden center, probably all the varieties of apples that they have are going to be ones that are going to be pretty productive for this region. But I would get, uh, you know, dwarf trees as opposed to the semi-dwarf for the standard size. And, again, that just goes to the fact that I don't want to have to wait too many years before I'm going to get much apple production. So for the first couple of years, you don't want any apples to form. You can go ahead and let them flower. But uh, while they're getting themselves established root system-wise and everything else, don't let the fruit start because it can really drain the energy out of the, your mm. apple trees. Good to know. Thank you. Now, is it true? I, I, I was reading up somewhere that uh, you should plant multiple species for them to really flourish well. Is that is that the case? Well, that's you don't need necessarily have multiple species, but uh, what they're doing is just saying because they're not necessarily going to have ripened apples all at the same time. That kind of extends your season where you can actually mm-hmm. do some harvesting after they get mature. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You just said it in the fall, just whenever the heat really stops being 100 degrees. <laughs> exactly. And the unfortunate thing, a lot of times in the fall, uh, you know, not every garden center is going to have fruit trees. A lot of them will have sure. them in the springtime. But spring is not necessarily the best time to plant woody plant materials because the ground is cold and it makes the root system so they don't get established really very quickly. And then they're faced with the heat of our summertime, and that's why fall is by far the better time. So you may have to call around to some of the you know nurseries and find out if they do have any fruit trees and if they have any apple trees and consequently go from there. Awesome. Thank you. And then one last question sure. for the, for the, in terms of timing, if I can't get to it right away, you know, right when the fall hits, how long should they be in before that first freeze, before that first frost? Or is that less of a concern? Yeah, that's less of a concern because the okay. ground is still warm and that's what's really important is to get that root system tr- growth triggered by warm ground as, it, you know, 
just for the overall health of the tree just in general. Awesome. Thanks so much. Love the show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Let's head over to Denny's yard. Hi, Denny. Hey, Mike. Um, I was at a nursery yesterday, and they had a clearance on some plants. And I bought something uh, called, it was a ground cover called stone crop. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay, is that, uh, can I plant that in the ground, or should I use that as a house plant, or what? No, you can plant it in the ground. I'm assuming, you know, is. With a common name like that, it's a little bit. It's a type of sedum. It wants to be in bright sun all day long. Right. Every day is an ideal thing. It can take some foot traffic. You don't want to have it. You don't want to plant it if you have dogs or anything where the dogs are going to be running across it a lot. But it's pretty tough and durable stuff. Okay. Okay. That's what I need to know. I appreciate it, Mike. Sure. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. And we do have phone lines open. Three one four. Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Uh realize that uh you know feeding the birds like Brian Kelly does and like I do, birds really help control insects. So it's not only the fact that you're getting to enjoy the different kinds of birds coming to the feeders and everything else, but you're also getting to have them help you get some of the you know, insect problems under control. Of course, you know, you say that, but also they eat, you know, seeds and, you know, various kinds of things, and they come to your yard and they go to the bathroom, and sometimes they can drop seeds. And some of the weed seeds that I have I know are dropped from uh, from bird droppings because, how do I know that? Because they are really right under the power lines, and so consequently that's what it is. So anyway, let's go over to Bob's yard now. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you for having me on your show, because if you weren't there, I wouldn't be calling in. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, um, a gentleman called in, and uh, he wanted you to dis- determine who was right, him or his wife. And the subject was watering plants, and uh, she pointed out that they should be watered at the base and not water all over the foliage right and and you agreed with him in that the watering the foliage was fine because that's what happened when it rains right but but i was taught and i do this with my tomatoes the difference between him watering and it raining is when he's watering the sun's out and the sun's many times beating down on the tomatoes and i was taught not to not to put water on the foliage at that time with the water down at the base because it can cause other problems such as uh, the water setting there and the sun beating on it can magnify it and cause trouble with the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So the difference is when he's doing it, if he's in the broad sunlight, Mike, doesn't that tend to cause some problems? Well, it potentially yeah. could, but uh, for the most part, uh, I, what I do is I water my plants at the base, whether they're in pots or in the ground or anything else, but then I also just, you know, water just kind of spray to create more of a human environment where they're growing. And I don't really have too much problem. You know, I'm not necessarily growing tomatoes right now, but I, you know, I just, I don't worry too much about that. The only thing I would worry about is potentially on certain plants, let's say particularly ones that are shade oriented type things, which tomatoes aren't necessarily, but uh, you get foliage, you get it really damp or moist or whatever. 
and then you could get fungus problems. And that's the same thing with, uh, you know, even some of the you know ones in the sun with getting a, you know, too much moisture on the foliage, you can get, you know, fungus problems like powdery mildew on lilacs or something along that line. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to make that comment about that when it's raining, it's usually cloudy. Right. That's and true. When it's cloudy, yeah. When it's cloudy, then I, I will tend to, you know, periodically, if I don't get enough rain, you know, wash the dust off of them. But I'll, I tend to do it in the evening. I know you don't like watering in the evening sometimes because it's more of a fungus overnight. Right. So I try to be careful with it. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, well, and I like and I like your show a lot, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it our show. How's that? <laughs> that sounds perfect. But thanks for your insight. I mean, it's great. to. That's what I love, you know just to hear people's comments from a different perspective because that's really important. There's so many different things going on all at the same time, and it's particularly in our region where our weather is so goofy and crazy. So you just, you know, I mean, it makes good sense what you said. All right. Take care. Sure. And now let's head over to Lenny's yard. Hi, Lenny. Hey, Mike. Um, I called called you about six weeks ago saying I was stressing out. stressing out over some old flower beds they were giving me anxiety well i i, I brought the uh i brought the machinery in dug out the boulders transplanted what good plants i wanted and they're they're actually holding tough here um then i hit every i had a bunch of you know violets and wild strawberry and everything that was growing in there so i hit it with ground up and now i've put black plastic over it to kind of i really want to cook all those seeds out of there Am I overkilling or to get rid of, you know, all the the old, because those are some pretty nasty weeds. Right. I would say yes. You could cause more problems because by more or less suffocating the weed seeds, it's not really going to stop the weed seeds. You know, they're probably still going to germinate, but they're not going to get any light. So consequently, they're going to die as a result of that. But also when you put... You know, plastic on top of soil, soil is really kind of a living, non-living amendment. And so the good qualities of the soil could be suffocated as a result of that as well. So you just have to be really careful when you're putting plastic down that you don't do damage to the soil at the same time when you're trying to control, let's say, weed seeds. I would say skip the plastic and do a a pre-emergent type thing. Do a pre-emergent in the, let's say, mid to late August and then again in the springtime because it not only gets kills the annual warm and cool season weeds, but also kill anything that's germinating. And that's, you know, that's a lot more, let's say, environmentally thinking about soil, environmentally thoughtful than, you know, doing the plastic. Okay. Yeah, because, excuse me. I looked online, and that's why I went with the black plastic because they said the the white plastic actually it'll get hotter, and then you can burn out your microbes. Right. But you can do it a lot quicker. Well, I use black plastic. It said, you know, it, it you still have that danger, but it doesn't get quite as hot. So you're kind of I don't know, and it takes, but it takes longer. Right. Because I was trying to t- I was trying to time this for I'd pull the plastic like you know late August, that, then I could start planting grass seed. Right. I was going to bring in some topsoil, put grass seed. So 
okay, but I shouldn't, you, I'll pull this plastic now then, I guess. Yeah, I would and say then what? you're better off to do pre- that. Okay, and then pre-emergent. Right. But then if you're putting and, down grass seed, that's going to kill the any kind of grass seed yeah. you put down. So, you're right. Yep. Okay. Uh, real quick question, or it's not even a question, but, uh, you know, I go to these nurseries and, you know, it's always, it's best to plant in the fall. All these nurseries, they get their, they get all their trees in, in the spring. And then it's like, by the time you go to the, go there in the fall to pick out your plant, they're all gone. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, why do, why do they bring in all their, their stock in the spring? It doesn't make any sense to me. No, I completely I, agree with that. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, when I left the botanical garden, I went out to Old Orchard, you know, which is a nursery in West County. And the same thing was, I mean, the amount of plant material we got in the spring was just crazy. And I knew just f- completely by being a horticulturalist that this is not the ideal time to do it. But I guess it's just because people in general are just kind of addicted to the idea of planting in the spring without the idea of really what that does, especially in a region like this where our weather is, you know, we don't know how late and f- you know, into this, let's say spring, it's going to stay cold or anything else. And the plant material, even at the nursery, can ha- you know suffer some damage as a result of that. So I'm not exactly sure why that's the case. Yeah, I talked to one of them, and I said I'll even I'll buy the tree now and you know tag it or something. So I, you know, you guys take care of it because you're the experts, and they said they didn't want the responsibility. So it's like <laughs> you, you, you got no, you you can't win for losing. So right. <laughs> anywho. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yep. But uh, there are, you know, some larger nurseries that do have plant material, you know, woody-wise and everything else pretty much year-round. So they don't just have big shipments brought in basically at one time and then kind of dump them. But Mike Miller, KMWAX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Let's head over to Ellen Jard. Ellen, how are you today? Hello. Hi, Hi. Mike. Hi. Um, I have a question about an, a beautiful amaryllis I bought at Walmart, of all places, last winter. Um, it, had, it had eight stalks of beautiful coral blooms, um, a, a large ball, but I was surprised it even survived. It was from Walmart. <laughs> um, and, uh, and now... I have it outside because it has these long front, these long leaves right. and I, to feed the bulb. And I wondered, at what point do I make a change in that? They're bright green still. Everything seems to be great. When do I make a change and bring it in and, and start it up? Basically, what you want to do is wait till September. Then when mm-hmm. you bring, bring it in at that time and then cut all the leaves off at that time. Okay. And then just leave, right. you know, let it go through a dormant period then you're going to see the flower stalk start up from that. Do I have to keep it in the dark then and uh, dry or? No, um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get it too. I mean, there's a whole lot of moisture in that bulb, so you're probably okay mm-hmm. that way. But uh, you don't want it to go totally dry, but uh, okay. you don't want to get it too, you know, you don't want to keep it too wet because that could kind of trigger some some growth. So once you cut the foliage off, you kind of want it to go through a dormant period but you know, yep. putting it in closets and stuff like that—that's not necessary. I mean, you could read things that will tell you to do that, and it's not just yeah. Okay, 
it, and do I leave it in the soil or take it out of the soil? No, no, no. And, just leave it in the pot that it's in okay. right now. Yep. Okay. Thanks so much. Yeah, they're very easy to care for. And like you said, they're great, you know, in flower. And then once the flower's finished, the foliage is kind of tropical looking. So it sounds like you've got a great plant. And now let's go over to Marsha's yard. Hi, Marsha. Hi. Um, I've got some burning bushes out in front that need to be trimmed, only they're starting to get pink. Is it too late or too early to trim them? Well, I don't like to prune in the heat of the summertime because the tips that you're cutting off are a little bit more acclimated to the intensity, the UV rays of the sun, then you could get some sunburn on them. So I would wait and just kind of live with them as they are. And then when we get into fall, you get the fall color off them, then prune them at that time when the foliage has fallen off. Oh, okay. I also have um, some a peony bush, and I know we're supposed to let that go till it gets dry. But the stalks, can I cut the stalks or do I let the stalks alone? You mean as far as from the the, the stalks that have the leaves on them and things like that? Well, I had the flowers on them. Okay, you can cut the, fl- the flowers off, you know, flowers, yeah. stalks off, but leave the foliage for another until it starts to, you know, kind of turn brownish and then cut them off at that time, cut them off at basically ground level. Right, that's what I normally do. Okay. But, okay, but I can cut the flower stalks down. Oh, yeah, definitely that. Okay, thank you. Yep, and um, Mark, if you could do it really fast. Got to do it really fast. I have a, uh, sure, I have a 4-by-8-foot uh, uh, cedar uh, raised bed I'm building. It's 17 inches tall. Uh, should I leave that open to the ground, or should I put landscape fabric on the bottom? Um, would I have a drainage problem, and what would be the soil mix I should fill it with? Probably a topsoil compost mix and churn that soil up on the bottom before you put the other stuff in and mix it in with the existing soil. So thanks, Mark, and uh, sorry, Brian, we can't get to you today. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.